there, friends, and welcome back to the New Blocks. Today, we're doing an educational episode. This is episode 20, and we're going to be talking about airdrops. We're dropping this one a little bit later than planned, but still glad we could get an episode in before we break for Thanksgiving 2021 coming up this week. Kevin, welcome back to the show. Timely as this is, I just got my ENS tokens, uh, what, two weeks ago, week and a half ago. Uh, we're going to break that whole thing down and talk about the concept behind it even more but first things first how are you buddy how are you feeling doing well i similarly readjusted the position of this episode based on the ens airdrop that occurred i think it was about a week and a half ago at this point i had anticipated talking about airdrops closer to a conversation that we anticipate having in a few episodes about the broader web3 space uh airdrops are another tool within that toolbox mm -hmm. but the ENS airdrop occurred to a widely enough audience that uh, it felt a little more, you know, uh, relevant to to discuss during the like pulling this episode up a little bit. So yeah, yeah looking forward to chatting about it. Totally. Uh, now, full disclosure, I'm still a little bit sick from NFT NYC. I know that was like two weeks ago at That's this like point, but I've got this there, lingering but... sinus infection. It's been kicking my ass. So I, I've actually been taking a little bit of time away. I might have gone too hard in New York, Kevin. I had too many Ethereums and uh, they upset my tummy. So um, it, it's it's actually sure. been nice, though. You know, you go hard and it's, it's good to pull back a little bit. I'm going to go home, visit some family for Thanksgiving, eat too much, Bring relax a little bit. Uh, well, I don't think my sinus infection is, uh, yeah, is too contagious I'm at this point. I'm hoping you're I think, not shedding. I think it's a me thing fire. more so than like uh, a common sure. cold thing. But uh, no, it is good to reset a little bit, you know. And even though we spend so much time in this digital metaverse, also take a break and you know enjoy the finer things in the meat space because there are still a lot of things to enjoy. But um, let's dive right in, dude. Let's talk about ENS a little bit. Talk to me about what this thing is. That that's the Ethereum name service, right? Sort of a, a play on the, the DNS, which is the domain name service in the real world, which is what resolves all of our websites like Zyori.tv or AxieInfinity.com, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you could think of DNS as similar to a phone book where when you type in YouTube.com, it goes to this phone book and looks at a list of specific server IP addresses and says, okay, YouTube, go send them over to this server. Um, ENS is the same concept, but it is built off of Ethereum um, and therefore decentralizes the ownership of this system. So in the old world with DNS, uh, you would register through a company like GoDaddy and GoDaddy is sort of the keeper of your keys. They have the ability to revoke access. Um, they're charging a premium and they are sort of like the market maker in this area. When you interact with ENS, you are locking away ether in a smart contract to register a domain so you receive that domain in the form of an nft something like zyori.eth you could purchase um, but you're not purchasing that from the company you have indeed uh, and you were paid for doing it which is what we'll be talking about shortly the idea here is that you instead of giving that money to some company, uh, we are locking that away um, and you set the amount of time that you want to register that domain for. You can always then go back and like re-register it. But um, this is sort of a another core building block of Web3. And over the course of time, um, the utility that you uh, that comes with owning a uh, .eth domain 
has sort of increased. So mm -hmm. at a very, uh, you know, short term view, you can think of this as an alternative. If I want to send you money, I don't need to go ask what your, you know, 30 digit, uh, like zero X one five, whatever address is, I could just go send some money to Zyori.eth. That is the name that is attached to your wallet. So you can kind of think of it like a Venmo account. Yeah. Um, well, and, it, and it's integrated it's, to stuff also. So it shows yeah. up like on Etherscan and a lot of these other websites where if I send money to you, it'll say, Hey, Zyori.eth sent money to, you know, Kevin.eth or whatever you might yeah. have, uh, yeah, have registered. So, um, I don't know how it, it handles multiple. I guess it just chooses whatever you have set as your primary. I think, yeah, um, I think when you go through ENS, you can register one to, to be sort of your account. So I think mine is like my full name.eth. And then you, mm -hmm. if I have other ones, I think I have like KevinW.eth. Um, uh, that way, yeah, the, the websites that you're on in Web3, you're not going in and signing up for, you know, creating another password. Um, having to, you know, store all these passwords. When you're in Web3, you're just using the website and the website already knows who you are based on the fact that you've attached a an ENS .eth domain to it. So that, that just kind of follows with you with all of your NFTs and all of your on-chain activity. That's pretty cool. I like it. It seems to be a, a useful service. Of course, not immune to like domain squatting and some of the other issues that are um, like innate with that world that exists uh, in its centralized kind of counterpart. But um, I think it is still still an important thing. And, you know, being able to lock those names in early is uh, is pretty powerful. Glad I got mine. That's all I can say. Uh, good. Yeah. Good, and it's, good it, luck. <laughs> it, it's uh, so like this. This brings us to the segue that we'll be discussing today, which is about airdrop. So ENS uh, airdropped the governance token that will be used to make decisions about the Ethereum name service protocol. So the, the token itself is ENS. Um, and if you at any point prior to October 31st, 2021 had registered a .eth domain, then you would have received these governance tokens as sort of like a, a thank you, as sort of a, um, uh, a governance uh, uh, like airdrop this um like dissemination maybe the word i'm looking for um as sort of a um you were an early contributor to this and we want to give back to you right well a big part of this too is figuring out how to get these governance tokens that essentially come down to votes in the ecosystem regardless of what kind of system you have um they still come down to votes and you want to get those in the hands of people that actually care about the ecosystem that use it engage with it have been champions with it and you want to try to find a way to do that that is like systematic in nature right something that isn't just hey i remember this guy tweeted about us back in the day but something that actually has like a, a formula to it. And uh, I think ENS did do a good job with that, where they prioritized people that had uh, registered domains earlier on. So if you were an early adopter, you got a disproportionate reward. And more importantly, if you have a lot of domains, um, there were fast diminishing returns on how many additional tokens, additional tokens you get from having all those extra ones. Uh, they were very conscious about not giving away undue governance to these like squatters or these big farms that are just collecting uh, usernames. And to me, that was one of the big like, all right, I'm a lot more bullish on this token now, um, like knowing that they put that effort into the distribution model. 
Yeah, and of course, like there's the disclaimer that both you and I, having uh, earned uh, our ENS tokens, that we are holders of this. Yes. Um, you know, it, we fast forward to the end of our episode where we always remind you that none of this is financial advice. But um, yeah, I got 450 just, of those bad boys, so you yeah, know, I, it was a pretty I, I, nice I, little airdrop for me. I have three domains. I registered, I, I guess, at the beginning of this year, um, so not that recent, but also not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I, so I had registered three in like 2019. Um, and, you know, all of this is on chain. If you feel like figuring out all of this, go for it. Yeah, um, I, I think just to give like general ideas it, between, you know, 2019 or even more recently, um, if you had registered a domain or a couple domains, um, you would have received anywhere between like four and five figures worth of tokens, like in USD um, in yeah. terms of value. And I, I find this challenging to talk about with friends, uh, family, and and unsurprisingly, strangers on the internet that I haven't met before. Um, because I'm talking about receiving substantial amount of money for the act of clicking on a couple buttons and like buying a little domain. Um, and like this isn't the first airdrop that I've received in this space. Um, and the reason why I want to talk about it isn't to be that asshole that's kind of rubbing it in people's face, being like, cool, look at all this like free money I got. Like that's not that's the opposite of the person that I want to be and that I strive to be. Um, but I want to talk about this from the perspective of um web three is really this space that is different than the versions of the internet that have come before it. Um, and in particular, it is one that at the uh like if you if you kind of abstract away all of the the pieces and an airdrop is a mechanism that is paying you to learn about this space uh, that may not be the entire purpose of it but uh in terms of like all of the stuff that i've done in DeFi and um on ethereum all of the gas that i've you know burned money just trying to do basic swaps and um buy nfts uh there, time and time again, I am experiencing this situation where I am then kind of paid back for that in the form of, of governance tokens um, that are well overvaluing the thing that I actually did. Uh, and we'll go into some examples in, in the later part of the episode. But Yeah, um, I, I, I think you're right. I think that's a, a good framing around um, like how to how to like think about these airdrops because they do feel like free money when it arrives in your account. But at the same time, when you look into the methodology, like I didn't see my ENS tokens and think, man, I can't wait to sell these and get you know, 20,000 in fiat or whatever it came out to be. I thought, oh, wow, I got some governance tokens that are actually worth something. The fact that these are worth something makes me feel like I want to hold them and see like what this whole governance thing is going to be about. The fact that this market cap is now in the Bs, um, hmm, maybe a lot of other people care about this too. So it, it kind of made me feel more invested about the project. I guess, like you said, it, it kind of did give me an excuse to learn about it. Um, but it also does feel like a reward for just engaging with the ecosystem. And, and that's like a, a powerful thing that you don't want to overpromise to people because if you pick the wrong projects, you, you might not get any, anything that's useful at all. But you know, there's a lot of uh, really useful protocols out there that are, are becoming kind of like backbone type projects in this ecosystem where it just feels inevitable that uh, 
you know, governance tokens and some sort of delivery vehicle in the form of an airdrop, it's just inevitable, right? It's just, it's the model right now in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I really think of it as a as an alternative model. Um, in the early internet days, you know, purchasing a domain through GoDaddy or whatever, that was like the 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 way that you can own something in the digital world. And, and there weren't a lot of other ways to do that. Um, in this new world, I think that's that correlation is probably why we're seeing such a valuation of ENS. Um, they see this as like um, a corollary to the existing internet. This is like a necessary piece of the infrastructure for Web3. But, you know, moving forward, all forms of tokens, um, whether fungible or non-fungible, are these new digital primitives of ownership that can occur in this new form of the internet. So to kind of more clearly define an airdrop, uh, an airdrop is a way of distributing voting rights, ownership, and value to contributors of a crypto project or protocol. Um, and when I say contributors, uh, I think that can really include uh, the team that built the project, maybe the programmers, the the um, the marketers, the people that were involved in sort of the heavy lifting uh, at the beginning. Uh, oftentimes, this includes investors. In the case of ENS, they did not have any investors. In the case of Uniswap, they did have investors. Um, but it also includes the general users. Like you're a contributor of a project if you go believe in it and use it, and that project kind of like starts to snowball and get used by other applications and protocol teams. Right. So yeah. And, and forgive me, I'm curious if, how you like this analogy, but it almost feels like, not that airdrops didn't exist in the ICO era, but it does feel like this is an evolution of sort of a similar mechanism, right? Like ICOs were used as this funding mechanism, but it also was a, a governance distribution. The problem is yeah. it really benefits whales and people that can come in and buy a whole bunch and it disproportionately benefits these early adopters that can come in and get it before the price starts to, to blow blow up, right? If you find a, a protocol right before it launches, but then that opens up for a lot of scams because everybody wants to get in before it launches. But before it launches, you don't know anything about it or if they have any capacity to actually follow through or if it's legit or if it's a rug. Um, and airdrops seem like this. It, it's sort of similar. Instead, if you can launch a product or a project or a protocol and get some users to use it just because it works or just because it's good or it solves some issue, and then you come up with a mechanism to distribute that stuff to the people that actually use it rather than just opening it up for auction, it's like, yeah, you don't put as much money in your pocket in the short term as like a crowdfunding tool, but you ensure that you have a system that isn't just completely driven on short-term profits, right? Like, yeah, exactly. It, it does feel like an evolution, you know? Like the it space is, is moving in a good way because the ICO yeah. era was fucking brutal. I don't, I don't, I really don't miss it. No, I don't either. Uh, I mean, and to add on to that, it, it also is seen more from a legal perspective as a better alternative as well, right? Like a lot of the ICOs from the 2017 era ended up getting hit with huge multi-million dollar fines from the SEC with the argument that they too closely resemble that of a security, right? You're you're selling a thing, a token, in exchange for the promise of some sort of future value. Um, and in this fast-forwarded, you know, new alternative mechanism, um, you can remove the component that is the centralization of the the people with the most money get the most say 
replace that with the people who are the most interested in your project get the most say. Um, and also, you aren't selling these tokens to the users. You are dispersing this governance protocol token for free to the people that their interests most align with that of the protocol, which is the users. So yes, absolutely. I, I think of this as, an, as kind of the future iteration of, uh, of an ICO. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we use the term governance a lot, and obviously, it just means decision-making power. Um, it's one thing to say, "Hey, this protocol sucks. Let's start our own. That's way better." But then, once you start your own, you got to come up with some rules. You got to come up with like your general policies on how you're going to handle things, or make some decisions, or develop mechanics. Or if you have, you know, let's say you make a bunch of money and there's a treasury with a million dollars in there, deciding how to spend that million dollars in the most effective way possible. Right? That's uh, that's a function of governance. So th th yeah. these are all the 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 actual like tangible parts that we mean uh, and, and why it matters. And for something like ENS, uh, there's undoubtedly a balance of centralization there, right? Um, when it comes to domain squatting, let's say like uh, a, a giant brand like Disney or Coca-Cola or something, uh, um, you know, should they have some sort of copyright claim to like Coca-Cola.eth or something like that? Does it, does it matter that we all socially agree that it's like prolific and that it should sort of be in the right hands of the right person and, you know, Coke should be willing to pay for it. But, you know, if push comes to shove, if that squatter never responds, how much centralization should we apply to this system? Should some things be forcefully handed over? Is that, is that not okay because it's blockchain? But what happens if some scammer is really ahead of the curve and buys out all the domains around a certain thing and sends them all to phishing sites and that's just a total net loss for the system? What hill are we really dying on? Like, yes, the decentralized principle is there, but if it's a serious net loss to the users of the system, is that really worth it, right? Can we utilize some centralization for good? All those questions have to be answered like through governance and like this kind of decision making. So that's why um, like who you delegate your votes to really matters. You know, these are like big decisions that are going to be more and more like relevant to like our day to day lives as these Web3 protocols become more mainstream. Yeah, I mean, I think more broadly than ENS, I think of this as a realization that we are attempting to build automated systems where we don't need people, we don't need central intermediaries that hold all of the keys and that make all of the important decisions. But we can't make that transition in just a single step, right? Like we, there are still these sort of like um, human, like arguments that will need to occur where we need to figure out like what is best uh, for the protocol, for the community. And the, the shift that's occurring here is let's do that in such a way that these decisions aren't solely made by like centralized power and that this is something that like the community itself can express uh, and make a decision. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, to go through some examples of some of these that have occurred, Axie Infinity did an airdrop in the early days. Um, their token, the AXS token, is well, we now used recently, for... Actually, it was... Oh, okay. Oh, the the, the yeah. Axie one was kind of weird, and I, I hope I don't misspeak here because it was set up before I got hired. It was like something that was promised a long time ago, and I'm pretty sure it had to do when Axie switched from it used to be an auto battler, and then it turned into like the three versus three, like I'm I'm actually playing versus you card game battle yeah. arena. 
Um, and I think there was something it either had to do in the way the axes changed. It was some reward for early players when something didn't happen. So they, they took a snapshot and it was a snapshot from like years ago and they just got airdropped a bunch of AXS I, what, two months ago, something like that. Okay. So the airdrop happened recently, but it was a reward for early adopters that had done a bunch of stuff from way back in the day that never got the reward, but were promised it and then sat in limbo for a really long time. So that, yeah. that was a weird one. But it was it was AXS tokens, and those are governance tokens. So it does fall under this umbrella. But um, I think it had to do with like the shifting scope of the product. Um, that makes sense. And I mean, I think this is another example where it's more than just governance. Like this is useful for in-game mechanics. Um, and like uh, between the... Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Axie is just one of many where this is the case. Uh, an example of a protocol where I had received an airdrop and am now using those airdrop tokens for governance decisions is Uniswap. So Uniswap is yeah. the decentralized exchange we talked about in the AMMs episode. Um, and you had to use it before a certain date. It, just a single swap was enough, but it was similarly weighted where the people that were more heavy users, people that provided liquidity to it, um, received more of that governance token. And now uh, I can take part in decisions like, should we issue more uni tokens um, as a way to incentivize liquidity on something like Optimism, right? Right now on Optimism uh, and, and these other layer twos like Arbitrum, these are where the that we know that the space is moving to layer two, but it's not moving quick enough. And so we need to pull more liquidity over to layer two. And to do that, we could, you know, use a decision like start to give out more uni tokens if you just go provide liquidity on optimism. And that hopefully can be kind of a good feedback loop to pull more liquidity over to these yeah. L2s. Uniswap was a cool one, too, because it happened during COVID lockdown and it happened at a time when the American government was struggling, struggling to agree on like a stimulus like COVID relief package. And the meme was kind of that like Uniswap did it better than the government did, because I think if you had just done one swap, like the baseline, it was like fourteen hundred dollars worth of uh, Uniswap tokens at the time of the drop. And they went up substantially in the months to and follow as DeFi kind of popped off. So if you held at all, it was much more than that. Uh, and a lot of people got way more than $1,400. So it actually was like a, a pretty effective stimulus. And it was in like, like we talked about, like an algorithmic, very fair way um, for people that had just used the protocol. And that was certainly one that I was just like, I, I had heard about that just as I was starting to open up my eyes again to this DeFi world. And that made me feel kind of like, fuck, I got to start doing stuff like What's what's the next one going to be like? That was one that really ignited yeah. the fire for me. So I, well, I appreciate I'm that. I'm glad that it did ignite a fire. I think that is one of my goals for this episode. Like if you did not receive this ENS airdrop, maybe this will be the one that kind of ignites a little bit of a fire for you to go learn about the next one in the same way that like you that you lit that fire and now you ended up getting ENS. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's plenty more out there that we can uh, talk about in a little bit. Uh, just some really other quick ones like um, Tornado Cash is this um, like uh, privacy tool that exists on Ethereum. If you had deposited any amount of Ether, they sent you their Tornado token. Mm. Bankless Podcast. A lot of this we had actually mentioned on the DAOs episode. Um, 
where right. in their case, uh, they don't have, you know, it's a podcast. They don't have an on-chain protocol so that they can use to like go airdrop to people that have used Bankless. Mm -hmm. But the equivalent here is that they had issued this NFT called the Bankless Badge just to like, you know, show off that you were a Bankless listener. And that NFT was then sort of the the tool that they could use to kind of gauge um, listener engagement. And when the, uh, the Bankless to uh, DAO was created, it was created with this bank token that was airdropped to the listeners of the protocol. Um, now, when I talk about airdrops as like a governance token, like governance is is a part of it, but I think it's also Bankless is a good example here where it's more of this like value and ownership uh, handoff where prior to the Bankless DAO, it was two dudes making a podcast similar to um, like the, the, the podcast that we're recording now, but uh, in such a way that we... Uh, with Bankless, they, you know, they, they did their own marketing, whatever. They ran their own Twitter accounts. When uh, when their Bankless DAO kicked off, now you have this community that is has aligned incentives. They have ownership of this Bankless brand. Mm -hmm. um, and immediately, all of these different sub-teams sprouted up where there was suddenly, like, merch. There was a merch team that popped up. Um, and there was, like... Uh, people were then incentivized to start transcribing Bankless into different languages. Um, and like, it's this DAO that is this company where we, you know, it, you go from the system where everything is just owned by one or two people to one where now you can pass off that ownership and, and create, treat it like a public good as opposed to a private good. Mm hmm. No, I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. That idea of, of adding ownership is a key part of like the decentralized nature, the, the D in the DAO, right? Um, yeah. and, and you know, the way you described that reminded me of YGG a little bit in the Axie space where they've done uh, some airdrop of their token to people in the community of, I, I think they came up with some metric of, you know, how much did you coach people or, you know, how long have you been a scholar, all these different things. So it is available for public sale, but they've also created different mechanisms like, Hey, if you have a founder's badge and there's, you know, some mechanism to get that, then you qualify for a, a different type of airdrop, these sorts of things. Um, and from what I've gathered, it seems to add uh, a lot of a lot of real like loyalty when it comes to community building, where it's not just scholars that are there for money, but it's like scholars that are part of a community that they they have some ownership of and some say in the ecosystem. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I concur, my man. Yeah, definitely. I, I, last example here. And there's just kind of you can look at there's like an endless list of different protocols that have done similar stuff. But um, Gitcoin after the DAO's episode, I the phrasing I used was like um, Gitcoin wouldn't call themselves a DAO. And then like three days after we recorded that, the Gitcoin DAO launched <laughs> um, and they did their airdrop. Um, and it was a similar situation where if you had donated any money through Gitcoin to public goods funding, then you had received some amount of token back. And I mean, like similar to the ENS airdrop, it was a situation where I paid like far less through my donation or through my air, uh, through my um, registering in e a dot ETH domain than I had like yeah. received back in this in this governance token, which is pretty wild and bizarre. Right. It's a, a weird feeling. Um, all right. 
well, where are we? Where are we now? I lost yeah, my so place, Kevin. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So I think the next logical question, right? I mean, we've already kind of hit on this to a degree, but uh, like, why would a Web three protocol want to rain free internet money at people? Um, that's that's kind of a logical step from the the world of like centralized companies like Starbucks. When I go down to Starbucks and drink a coffee, I don't get free. Uh, you know, governance rights, free shares for the company. Yeah. Um, I, and so, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I think the best way to frame this is to think about the financial part of what these tokens are worth as secondary to what they're trying to achieve, right? Everything we just talked about, like the governance and the sense of ownership and the decentralization, that's the primary thing at work here. But because it's blockchain and because it's a cryptocurrency, everything can just be sold on the open market. So that that gives it a fair market value at any given time if it's on even just one exchange, right? So it's very easy yeah. to go, oh, wow, look, I just got airdropped $20,000. Thanks for the free money. The, the whole point of what they're doing is that they want as few users to feel that way as possible. They want as few users to go, oh, gee, thanks for the money. I'm going to liquidate that and then turn it into something else. The goal is that people get it and value it and keep it. And that means that your system for targeting your airdrop worked pretty well. You know, it's kind of like the Zappos thing. We'll offer you $2,000 to turn down the job offer right now. Because we want you to value to the job more than two thousand dollars. You know that's that's sort of the and if you qualify candidates pretty well, you get to this like yeah, only like one or two percent of people actually take the money. Like ninety eight, ninety nine percent of people go, oh no, this job's fucking awesome. I want it. Two grand. Pfft. You know, like you want it to be like ninety eight, ninety nine percent of people year drop the tokens to are more like us and go, oh, wow, this is really cool. Oh, wow, they're worth 50 bucks a pop. The demand must be crazy because people don't want to sell them. So, um, okay, yeah, I'm excited about like the governance prospect here. Um, yeah, anyway. and I think, yeah. I think of this as a similar uh, argument to the, the game theory that plays out at a blockchain level. Um, the more decentralized a blockchain, the more it can be trusted, its contents can be considered valuable. Um, and in a similar sense, if a project in this Web3 space is owned and controlled by a single developer or team of developers, uh, that is not going to be seen as, um, as necessarily trustable as one that is owned by an entire community um, that has incentives that align with the broader space. So mm. um, I think similarly, this is a, a, a mechanism for that sort of like decentralization to occur um, at the level above the blockchain, which is the projects that exist, the protocols that exist on it. And I think it's it's not a surprise that these um, that, that this like more decentralization equals more trust uh, can be kind of mapped in, in a similar way. I like that. No, I, I think that's like another one of these really heavy concepts that has um, like really profound meanings. You just got to let it sink in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it, I think that the the phrasing around decentralization is one that uh, that pessimists to the space often get tripped up on. It's this idea of like, you know, I think the argument is oftentimes like, well, why does it matter if something's more decentralized? And I think just the longer that you spend learning about this, the more that you can see what that 
power structure can change. Yeah, so, there, there's a, a really powerful feedback loop that can occur there where people are confident in something. So that drives more people to use it. And the more people that use it, that drives more general confidence. And then that pushes it to be a more like core part of the stack because there's a general consensus amongst more people that like, hey, this this thing is good or useful or valuable or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, the, so. the Bankless podcast, they phrased this general concept in an episode, an early episode and, and like a blog post that I think has gained some traction, which is this idea of the protocol sync thesis. Um, but it's just basically this idea that the more decentralized and more trustable something is, the lower it kind of sinks down in this like technical stack, where um, if you think of like the blockchain itself is sort of like the very bottom of it, it is like the most decentralized, the most trustable. And then the the components of it, like ENS, like Uniswap, um, these protocols that like have really managed to decentralize themselves, they sink down to the bottom as well. And that incentivizes other teams to build stuff on top, um, knowing that the, their footing is not going to be um, rug pulled because like suddenly the, the protocol changes overnight, right? So I think mm -hmm. this idea is just this um, kind of like stack of more trusted things sinking down to the bottom um, and, you know, being used to, to build infrastructure on top of. I like it. I, I like this airdrop future that we're living in, man. It's a really cool uh, tool that we have right now at our disposal in this like blockchain future. Um, and we keep using this word Web3, and I feel like this is becoming another one of these loaded words that um, kind of like metaverse, you know, it gets thrown around in a lot of different contexts, uh, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Um, and I think we're planning on doing like a whole Web3 episode and talking about what, what that encompasses. I, I saw you actually on on Twitter, I don't know if it was last week, uh, arguing with somebody where you, you used the term Web 2, and they responded like, I don't know if you literally mean Web 2 or this thing, and you just responded like, no, I, I just meant Web 2. Like, the Web two, yeah. there, there's only <laughs> like one two Web 2, yeah. you know? And it's like, I think that exchange spoke to me just about like how disconnected the dialogue is, where you could tell this person was coming in already like feeling like they were being attacked just by you saying web two or web three. And you were really just trying to use like technical terms to, to frame a conversation, like, right? And to condense and keep it short for right. Twitter. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's like, like yeah. words are supposed to mean something. So it, it does us all a disservice. If when we say web three, people don't even know what that means. Is it interchangeable with blockchain? Is web three a part of blockchain? Is blockchain a part of web three? All this kind of stuff. I, I think uh, we're due for like a full discussion here. Yeah, agreed. And definitely, as I mentioned earlier, I think airdrops are this, like, whether this is the purpose or not, they are a an incentive mechanism to pay you to go learn about Web3. Um, I can't stress this enough. Like, I think I, I've never experienced, a, a, you know, a, a subject matter or like a just a problem space, whether it's like within the internet or more broadly in life that has that same feedback loop of like, mm -hmm. wow, the more I'm investing my time into this space, the more I am seeing a return on that investment in a way that is actually valuable to others, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so weird to think about, like, I remember years ago, uh, spending days, like going down the crypto rabbit hole where, 
you know, you, you know, you don't understand something yet, but you still really want to understand it. And you watch a video like blockchain in five minutes and then you go, okay, I got it. And then you do that experiment with yourself where you say, all right, can I explain it back to myself out loud? And you get about one minute into your explanation and go, like, yeah, but and then what is it? What I'll link it do you this again? video. <laughs> um, but yeah. g- going like through that process and like having those days where I'd look at the clock and go, okay, I just spent three hours, quote, learning, and I'm not sure I actually understand this yet. And then you have that follow up, like uh, you know, digest with yourself. Was that a waste of time or was that a good use of time? Like, uh, is it all going to come into focus? And, um, it, it's a powerful feedback loop when it kicks, but it's it's scary before you start to see the cycle turn. You know, you need that first time yeah. when you go, I do get it. Oh my God, I did learn something. Um, then, it, then it becomes fun. Until then, it's just frustrating. Yeah, and I think, you know, getting your hands dirty in the space and like actually seeing how it works is a, and a very important step in this process. I think if you are only listening to a podcast or reading uh, blog posts or even less just like seeing mm-hmm. headlines on Twitter and, and getting angry in the comments, yeah. um, then you aren't going to be able to appreciate the larger change that this space is enabling. So um, I think uh, a good summary that I had heard uh, recently on the Bankless podcast is that if you received an airdrop like ENS, you were not airdropped free money, you were airdropped responsibility. I think this is like uh, a core piece to understand that the the purpose here isn't for these DAOs to try to like create their own little Ponzi's. <laughs> like the real purpose here is to bootstrap this governance process. Um, and even if you yourself don't have the time to go involve yourself in like all of these different governance decisions, uh, you can delegate those votes to someone else. So like you can still hold the value, own a piece of this DAO, own a piece of the protocol and still uh, pass off your voting rights to someone that is within the space that is aligned with your values and that sort of sees the, representative the democracy, baby. That should be yeah. familiar to most of us. Um, yeah. Yeah. Imagine being able to have democracy on more than just voting on a single person every four years to make all the decision, decisions for you. Imagine being able to uh, fine grain decision making process so that you can be as involved or uninvolved in democracy across every single individual piece of every single project. And mm-hmm. that's the world we're moving to. Yeah, it's a, it's a bright future, man. Uh, what do you say we get into some lightning round? Wrap this baby yep. up. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Am yeah. I asking you go first? first? Yeah, here we go. My bad. Uh, so similar to venture capital, isn't this just a continuation of rewarding those who got in early? This is like one of the biggest things about crypto that's hard to balance. It's really great to incentivize early adopters, but then five years down the road, how do you make it fair for new people that are just coming into the ecosystem um, by the time most of the mainstream users come in, like, aren't all the airdrops going to be spoken for and done? Yeah, I think this is a great question and uh, a common one. I don't think that's how this is going to play out. I think um, airdrops and just more broadly token governance is a new primitive for the internet. When I say primitive, it comes from the like computer science worldy place of like. Uh, core component. But what I what I mean by that is like, 
within uh, Web 1 and Web 2.0, um, you had this world where, you know, the internet is is really just like a bunch of websites. Um, and, you know, every individual website can build this own, like, experience. You can build entire business models off of websites. Um, but the website is kind of like the, the primitive here. So I think of tokens as this new primitive, similar to websites, um, in the way that it can be used for literally anything. Um, when, when you talk about like non-fungible tokens, fungible tokens, these are the sort of like two ends of the spectrum. And that just means like anything that can hold value, whether it looks like a currency or whether it looks like anything else that is unique. Um, so I think the idea of airdropping is not just going to be this thing that happens during the early days of crypto. I think it's really just this new bootstrapping mechanism for new websites or new projects or new companies um, mm -hmm. to bring ownership along. Um, and the the next version of like the Spotify's and the Google's um, and the Facebook's of the world aren't going to capture all of that ownership and that value um, and centralize it and give it back to their like 1% early investors. Mm -hmm. The new versions of these platforms are going to be owned by the users of it um and i think you know just i, I don't think that this is a, a world where it's just going to happen for this brief period of time and then like we're just going to go back to the old way i think this is sort of like a new way to bootstrap projects moving forward i i'm inclined to agree um i that might be a little bit optimistic but i i also do lean on the more optimistic side myself so i'll, I'll give you a pass on that one bud sure so how are airdrops taxed? How, yeah. how is a, a Tommy tax man going to come so along? So I, I can speak mostly to USA here, out. though I, I think it is pretty similar in most, uh, most countries. Um, airdrops are just regular, ordinary income. Uh, there's, there's no way around it. So uh, if you get dropped $20,000 worth of tokens, and that's the market value when you get them, uh, that's $20,000 of income that you need to be reporting on your taxes there. And of course, um, if you hold them for a little while, let's say like a week, and then you sell them for a big gain, you're going to probably uh, have to pay capital gains on that difference of the price from where it started, and then what you sold it for, uh, and the profit there. So um, it is definitely a taxable event. It's definitely something that the IRS is privy to. And um, yeah, you're, you're going to want to report that and plan accordingly in terms of having your income tax liability uh, buffed up a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know how well you'll be able to make the argument that uh, kweaver.eth was not attached to myself. <laughs> Um, like, remember, yeah. that this is the most uh, immutable and auditable version of a financial system we've ever had. I would not recommend you would attempt to use it as a way to yeah. hide from paying your taxes. As frustrating as it can be to, you know, receive some new money and then immediately have to go liquidate a portion of it so that you can cover the taxes for it. Um, just remember that this is a very auditable space. Yeah, uh, and so remember that you're you're still winning, right? You you got yeah. something like your your taxes are always a percentage of something that you made. So if you're paying some tax liability on that, it's because you got a lot more value than you're paying in taxes. So try to remember the upside uh, in in those moments. Um, but yeah, ordinary yeah. income. All right. 
so I see people on Twitter asking uh, for Ethereum addresses for like free airdrops. And, you know, sometimes it looks like scam. Sometimes it looks kind of legit. Um, is, is this safe? Like your, your Ethereum address is already public. So like, do I have anything to fear by plastering my, my Ethereum wallet address everywhere and signing up for these giveaways? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think of it as like from a risk risk perspective. I, I don't think that necessarily like there's anything terribly risky here. Uh, it's it's one thing to like um, throw out an an Ethereum address, and you know if you see a bunch of these like random little garbage throwaway airdrop things, like you could always have another Ethereum address specifically for stuff like that if you just wanted to like separate it from your um, other addresses. But like. I don't know that there's necessarily anything um, inherently risky until you get into the place where it's like, oh, okay, now go use these tokens and like interact with these shady smart contracts mm -hmm. that um, haven't been audited and like actually just ends up giving me permission to right. steal all your money. Like the, using smart contracts are where you get into more of the actual risks. Um, but I think more importantly, this gets to the idea that not all airdrops are created equally just because we have this new mechanism to rain money down from the heavens onto people doesn't mean that those monies will actually be valuable right like i think a lot of times um sure. more scammy more um just like qu quick pump and dump type tokens are done in this way where they want to uh put out the the like facade that their token is valuable and to do that they want as many people holding that token as possible um and so they just try to give them out for free but like just because you've given this thing out for free doesn't inherently make it useful or valuable mm -hmm. um i think all of that is to say that a lot of times these more legitimate ones um like ens like uniswap um are done retroactively so it's like we've already created this product this service this um this platform and this is already sort of like a useful valuable thing to people um, and now we need to pass off ownership of that protocol back to the people that are using it um, that typically happens in such a way where you don't want to announce it in advance because then you're just going to draw in mm -hmm. all of the sorts of users that you really don't care about that are just using it to like go make a quick buck. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, that, so that's sort of why we don't see people announcing in advance like, hey, we're going to do an airdrop on this like useful protocol. Um, typically, if you see people announcing that they're going to do an airdrop in advance, it's probably not going to be the the most useful or, or interesting or valuable thing. Right. Um, That's so, the, yeah, I, the irony of the game theory there, right? The more yeah. valuable it is, probably the more stealthy it is because you want people that are interested because they're interested. You know, it's like, I need you to, yeah. I need you to know that uh, you're staying. I need to know you're staying because you want to, not because you have to sort of a vibe. Yeah, no, I agreed. And, and I think two tools that I would recommend if you're just like still learning about the space, still trying to get a feel for it. Um, Bankless did put together a list of 25 protocols and platforms that have yet to release an airdrop that, you know, may or may not, but they are uh, becoming uh, like you know, lower level pieces of this system. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think OpenSea is probably a big one, right? Like this is one of the biggest, um, NF right. the biggest NFT marketplaces. They haven't done any sort of a, uh, of a governance um, airdrop. Um, 
who knows if they will uh it's it's still unclear i mean i think people sort of see OpenSea as like the the fees that they collect on that marketplace um feel a little more like there's an ebay type intermediary sitting in there capturing a lot so um it, it's it's possible that we could see alternatives to OpenSea popping up but um i'll put a link in the show notes to their list of like 25 protocols i think it's worth checking that out um I think you have to be a subscriber on their Substack, but I would encourage you to do it because they put out some really great content. Um, and then the final tool here is one called earn.fi, where it's you plug in your Ethereum address and you will see if you have already received airdrops for different things that you've mm, used. Okay. Um, and this one I've actually found like like thousands of dollars of, of airdrops that I didn't even know about um, <laughs> because like I can't even put like patrol all of the things that are happening in the space at, at any given time. Wow. I think um, uh, what was the the one um, one inch protocol is like a decentralized exchange um, platform that like whatever it's um, th this is a situation where even um, airdrops aren't necessarily just limited to like you have to go use one particular thing to go get the airdrop for that particular thing. Some of the airdrops that I had found were like, oh, um, we're going to go build this new product and like we value people that had given money on uh, Gitcoin because it shows that you care about the space and that you it, you value funding open public goods. Let's just go use their sort of airdrop distribution list to go give our own tokens because we know these people are like valuable to some capacity. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I think that's a uh, very cool. That's the gist. All right. Well, that's airdrops, folks. Uh, of course, uh, none of it is financial advice, particularly uh, particularly relevant in this episode, uh, but a lot to cover and uh, you know, nice to do something with a more structured format. So we'll be off this week uh, thanks to Thanksgiving, and then we'll be back again probably for a Zero X to talk about what's happening in the space, the latest and greatest here on the New Blocks. Kevin, always a pleasure. Make sure you guys find us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere else you'd expect to find a podcast. Peace.